Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, and welcome to This Spiritual Fix, Episode 11, Season 3. Today, we will be having a delightful conversation where we update men are from Mars and women are from Venus, as well as Mars and Venus on a date, all by John Gray. Enjoy. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hi, Anna. Hi, Christina. How are you doing? So so we're here. Christina was flirting with the waiter. I was. <laughs> and I'm going to tell my husband that as soon as I get home. But it's funny because there's this guy, like the first time that we went into this restaurant, this guy was the bartender and like he started talking to us about aliens and he got like super into us. And about his screenplays he was writing. Yeah, and about the screenplays. And then the next year we went back, he put on about 30 pounds of muscle. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. And then, and then it was so funny tonight because I was just like, he actually came over and he's like, I remember you, which was like crazy because we literally, I literally walk into this restaurant two times a year, one time a year, maybe, you know, like, and it was just funny because I was like, you know, I've been like really excited to get home because we've been doing all this sex research the whole weekend. Well, when I got married, I literally completely weird? shut off like any stranger flirtation. But it's fun because I've recognized recently that like that flirtation is completely safe and it actually makes it better when I go back to my husband. But yeah, so, you know, I think it's interesting as we've been exploring what we're going to be exploring tonight with Mars and Venus is obviously more PG rated and but we're going to be really expanding this season into a lot of the different sexual functioning sexual behavior tantra neo tantra all this really self-pleasuring male versus female yeah what else I mean that's enough right (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot and so PG version of the episode the first well this is part one but it's going to be a really fun and exciting season and it's something that I really hope that everyone is able to find this space for to be like how can I actually improve my intimacy and my relationships and my sex life and all these different things? And then even if you aren't in a sexual relationship, how can you self-pleasure more? How can you combine the law of attraction with your orgasms to create something called sex magic to make your manifestation stronger? Or how can you, if you're self-pleasuring, how can you touch God? You know, I mean, there are things you can do that even if you're not in a sexual relationship with anyone or even if you're celibate, 
by choice or by age or by circumstance, you can still enjoy with these episodes. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's a, it's a juicy season. It's exciting. So what are we talking about today, Anna? Today, I'm going to be talking about men are from Mars and women are from Venus, which comes from an author named John Gray. And a little background on him. He is a PhD. Hold on. Former monk. So John Gray is an American relationship counselor, lecturer, and author. In 1969, he became a monk underneath the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. The Beatles guru. Yeah. So he was a Beatles guru monk for nine years. He was celibate. When he came out of his celibacy, the first thing he did was have a lot of sex. And what he did, which I highly recommend is a great technique if you're going to lie to a woman, but he wasn't lying as he said, hey, I've been celibate for nine years. I don't know anything about women. I don't know anything about a woman's body. Teach me everything. And because of his brutal honesty and the fact that it was not intimidating to fuck a monk or an ex-monk, I should say, women were very forthcoming with their answers. And so it was through the sexual experiences that he had and the honest answers he got from women that he decided to throw himself into the study of male and female differences, relationships, and sex. Yep. Wonderful. Okay. Let's say John Gray is like version... 1.0. 1.0. We're going to do like a 1.50, meaning we're going to try to adapt some of his concepts to be a little more, I don't want to say necessarily politically correct, but all inclusive. What's another term for that? Just update it. Yeah, we're just going to update it yeah. for this time because it was written originally in the 90s. And if you listen to it, and Luke and I did a couple months ago, we listened to the original one, it just parts of it feel very binary. Yeah. So it's a very binary because he says men are like this and women are like this and men are from Mars and women are from Venus and this is how they operate. But as we all know that we all carry the masculine and the feminine within us. So when we're saying male or female, really are talking about is that masculine and feminine side in us. Now, men typically, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, typically men are going to have more masculine energy, like maybe 60% masculine, 40% feminine, or 90% masculine, 10% feminine. And women typically have more feminine energy. And let's say you're non-binary, maybe you're 50-50, or maybe you're trans, you're 30-70. You know, I don't know what the situation is, but please don't be triggered by the words male and female or man and woman. We're talking about the masculine and feminine forces within us. Because like I know for a fact that I behave very much like a man when it comes to certain things. Yeah. No, and I'm, and I'm the same way. Like, I think that, that knowing that we're on a spectrum of, of energy expression of these aspects of this masculine and feminine aspect. And John Gray, you can say the masculine aspect is from Mars and the feminine aspect is from Venus, you know, but that's a little bit of a mouthful. And the reason why he talks about it like that is because he's trying to say that we should understand that we kind of come from different planets. And one of the biggest flaws that the male and female of the species does is that we think the the other one is is like us, but they're not. So we usually give what we want to receive. Like one example would be, as he says that in bed, women love to be spoken to. They like to be talked to. And a man would rather hear moans and groans. So a woman will speak to a man because that's what she wants, but he doesn't want it. Mm -hmm. And the man might grunt and groan, but she really wants him to talk dirty to her. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot. All right, so moving right along, the first thing I want to discuss before we get into the Men Are From Mars classic book is a book called Mars and Venus on a Date. And this is a really good one if you are unattached or are in the dating phase of life 
And what's really interesting about this is he says that there's five different stages of dating. The fifth one ending in engagement, which means you're engaged and you're going to get married and happily ever after. Ha ha. We're just going to end at stage five today because yep. it doesn't go past that. But what's really interesting about these four stages is he says that they are universal in all relationships. And that what happens is, is that a lot of the time we go out of order and when we go out of order, we kind of fuck things up. So like he says, for example, intimacy should only come after exclusivity, mean, and, and meaning until the relationship is ex- established that you're exclusive, you shouldn't have sex until after that point. If you have sex before that point, you are doing intimacy before the other stages and you're going to get all tangled up and go out of order and then be very confused and develop attachments before you should. However, I'm a big fan of, hey, if you want to have sex right away, go for it. Like, Mm. like don't wait till the X number of dates. I think that's bullshit to be like, you should only wait till X number of dates before you have sex. But according to him, if you are looking for a long lasting relationship, if that is your agenda, then you probably really should, according to him, wait for the exclusivity stage to then be intimate. So these are the five stages. Five is engagement. We kind of end there. Number one is the attraction stage. And this is the stage where you first meet each other and there's usually a lot of love bombing on both ends, perhaps. The masculine is in the chase and the feminine is to let him chase her. The idea is that a man will really appreciate what he chases and we are the prize. No, I think that's a bullshit idea, but the idea is that the man is going to value what he puts effort into. Okay, right. Number two is the uncertainty stage. And I think this is the most important stage of all is the uncertainty stage because this is when the masculine caves, aka he pulls back. And the feminine is to evaluate if this is even a good fit and then wait for his return. Now, what I find really interesting about that is usually what happens in the uncertainty stage is that the feminine doesn't understand it and she feels rejected. So this is the time when wounds are starting to get triggered. For example, if you have an abandonment wound and you're a woman and the man goes into uncertainty, you will perceive his pulling back as abandonment and he doesn't like you and you've done something wrong. And then you will actually do the exact opposite thing you quote unquote should do, which is you will overperform and try to win him back. You will go into your Rolodex of cards of great personality traits, amazing burritos, amazing blowjobs, you name it, and you're going to try to win him back. Right. When actually he just needs to go to his cave and be in his space so that he can then come back. Right. And also in that time, an abandonment person should, you know, quote unquote, should evaluate, is this a good match for me? And instead, what usually happens is they start to obsess about the other person and then that pattern sticks. Now, how would you say rejection would act in the state of uncertainty? If you have a rejection wound and the masculine goes into their cave? Yeah. Oh, you would think that you would assume that they were leaving you. And then what would you probably do? And then you would leave them. You would basically pull back as well. So yeah, so yeah. maybe cancel them. Rejection yeah. people cancel others. So maybe you'd block yeah. their number and then they yeah. could never even find you again when they came out of it. Yeah. In terms of, say, the humiliation wound, I think the humiliation wound would feel ashamed and guilty that they had somehow done something wrong. But they might be willing, they probably wouldn't block the person and maybe receive them. Yeah, and they may also be more likely to 
flip around the stages and do an intimacy piece first. Right, right, right. Right. And so then if, if you go attraction, intimacy, uncertainty, you'll think, Oh God, what did I do wrong? I was bad in bed or he didn't yeah. like my body. You'll feel humiliation and shame as yeah. a result. That's yeah. a good example. That's a good one. What about betrayal during uncertainty would likely just see it as a breach of trust that like you're supposed to be in a certain phase of doing something. And they might also block them because they're controlling. Yeah. yeah. They want to protect themselves from pain. So they would, they would possibly cancel or break up with someone because of it. Okay. And then the third stage is exclusivity. So if I didn't say it earlier, it goes attraction, uncertainty, exclusivity, intimacy, engagement. So exclusivity, this is where the masculine does the wooing and the feminine does the receiving. What's important here is the masculine continues to woo her and understand that just because she said yes to exclusivity or just because you quote unquote won her, it's a very antiquated belief system. I understand that. I'm just, don't, don't kill the messenger. But, <laughs> <laughs> but basically John Gray says that if the man has assured her, exclu- you know, commitment with him through exclusivity, he should not give up on wooing her because this is usually when men start to get compliant and lazy in a relationship because they've now quote unquote got what they wanted and they just now stop doing their their side of things they stop initiating the dates as much doing romantic gestures or helping around the house or whatever it was that they were doing and it's really important that the masculine not only continues his a game that he had in stage one attraction that even adds to it and in this time period of exclusivity the feminine should come to understand that she needs to maintain a balance between her own personal autonomy job friends family and not get lost in the relationship Right. Anything to add in that? No, no. I think that that's... And, and I think what I love about this too is that for us to detach it, to update it, to detach it from a sex, right? And it just becomes an expression of masculine or feminine. In some ways, the fact that we have detached the feminine or masculine aspect from sex, the expression of sex of whatever it is, like a male or female or anything like that. If you are in a place in which you're very comfortable and with somebody else who understands this, is that you could probably switch these roles. So you could probably woo someone, like if you're going to play the masculine tonight, you're going to woo that person, the other person's going to receive, right? So you can even do it in dating. So very similar to what we've talked about with Satyan and Suzanne at the beginning of the season is all about the same thing. Like, you can possibly switch these roles if you would like. John Gray would say don't, but we will say do. (laughs) That's right. All right. Stage four is intimacy. This is when you both agree and decide to grow in physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual connection. In this stage, the masculine struggles with autonomy and commitment because the masculine values most freedom. And the feminine, which values most love, needs to avoid the urge to chase the man, according to him. So there's never a time when the woman chases. According to John Gray, the woman is to receive and the man is to... Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the five stages of dating, according to John Gray, and use that information as you will. I think the biggest takeaway from all of it is two things. Number one, if you go out of order, if you do intimacy before exclusivity or intimacy before uncertainty you might really confuse yourself and get hurt. And that's part of growing in life too anyway, so just do it if you want to. And then the other thing would be that uncertainty is normal. Uncertainty does not mean something's wrong with the relationship. And if the more masculine partner pulls away during the uncertainty phase, do not flip out and chase them 
and think the world is over or block them or get pissed. I know I'm asking you not to do something that might be natural in you, but try your best to be reasonable in that time and be like, this is normal and it doesn't have to mean what I think it means. It could simply be that, that this person is uncertain and they're going in order and they're taking a break to evaluate stuff and I'm going to evaluate too. And one of the things about obviously the intimacy stage is that, you know, knowing that the masculine struggles with autonomy and commitment, if you're receiving, if you're on the feminine side and you're receiving, then you're even receiving that, they're them working through that, right? And it may be that they're away and do they go away in their cave again during the intimacy stage yeah they go back and forth they do their rubber band which we're going to talk about in a minute cool all right now that was all from the mars and venus on a date now we're going to go into men are from mars women are from venus which is another book of his and in this book john gray talks about the fundamental differences between the male and the female and i'll talk about essentially These are some beliefs, for example, that the masculine and the feminine differ from each other in these ways. So, for example, a woman needs caring. She needs him to show interest in her feelings, whereas he needs her trust. She, he needs that she believes that he is doing his best. You would not imagine how many times I've heard from men say, and and not just to me, but my friend's husbands tell them, well, you just see the worst in me. Like anytime they get criticized, well, why are you only focusing on what I do wrong? They need to be trusted. That is so much more important to them than it is for women, I think. Yeah. All right. Another, another one. A woman needs to be understood and a man needs to be accepted. So for example, she wants him to hear her and understand her, whereas he wants her to trust him and accept his decisions. Yeah. I've always, uh, when I listened to it, I had a really big problem with this because I feel like the way that it sounded and, and maybe you like, maybe he's elaborated on this and I just missed it. But like, it was like, she needs under, she needs to feel heard and understood. She needs to feel like, Oh, I understand that you've had a really hard day. I hear that you're having a really hard day. Let me, let's talk about what a bad day you've had. And it's like, John Gray is like, Even if your husband is a complete and utter asshole, you have to just accept him and never say anything to try and improve him. I think he's right. I think that, no offense uh, to any men listening, but I think that there are way more productive ways to get a man to change than criticizing them. They're not motivated by criticism the way that women are, I think. Yeah. Maybe that's it. All I know is my injustice wound does not like that. (laughs) I know, but I think for the most part, you know, quote unquote, this is sexist, you know, the masculine is very much motivated to please the feminine versus motivated to be corrected or fixed by the feminine. Yeah. Anyways, devotion. She wants to have his devotion. He wants to have her admiration. This one is very common in my marriage. She wants to be validated. She wants him to confirm that the way that she feels is the right way to feel. Yep. And a man rather would want approval, meaning he wants her to acknowledge the goodness in him and express her satisfaction with him. And then reassurance. She's going to want his constant reassurance. David Data talks a lot about this in his books, and he's a little more modern or a lot more modern. And he wants her to give him encouragement like she gives him hope and courage as a man by expressing her confidence in his abilities and character yep all right so there's some more stuff so gray explains in the book that a man's deepest fear is that he is not good enough or that he is not competent okay so so one of the other differences main differences between men and women is that 
and and Anna mentioned this briefly, but men would like praise for their achievements and abilities is that they that you appreciate everything that they've done because effectively a man is operating in a certain way which says that they are going to try and figure out something on their own if they ask for anything else it's only because they're asking for an expert opinion of somebody else and so for them praising and achieving them and their ability to do that and their ability to succeed and accomplish something is the best thing that you can do for them on the other hand women want men to appreciate and consider their feelings for them the experience of having a feeling and feeling understood by it is very important Whereas a man may tend to want to try and fix the feeling. Right. But the woman just needs to, or the feminine just needs to express the feeling and feel as if they are, that their feelings have been considered. And validated. Yeah. I think that's a big one. I think that's a really important one when a woman is expressing how she feels and a man will say something like, well, you shouldn't feel like that. Like if he ever says you shouldn't feel that way. It's like one of the most hurtful things to break trust in a relationship. Like not talking about infidelity. That's a huge trust breaker when he says, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, you're tired? Well, you shouldn't feel that way because da-da-da-da-da. Or you think you have it so bad. Look at you whining about your job. What about, you know? Yeah, or, or say something like, oh, you're complaining about your job. Well, why don't you just quit your job? It's like, I just want to complain about my job, actually. I don't want to quit my job. Right. Yeah. Right. That leads nicely into this one, which is that when men are and women have a problem, men want to provide solutions and women want to vent and get help. So example would be a woman comes home from a hard day and she's upset about what happened at work and the husband's like, let me just provide solutions. Well, you should just quit your job then. You should just, you should just do this then. Just, just, you know, they, yeah. And then what really a woman wants is just to vent because if she was talking to a girlfriend and she said all the things that happened, the friend would be like, gosh, yeah, that sounds really tough. Oh, that sucks. What are you going to do? Yeah. They don't actually try and fix try it. to fix it. And yeah. they will actually try to help maybe like, hey, is there anything I can bring you? You're having a tough day. You want to go out to dinner? They don't necessarily try to fix the problem and men will and it causes some frustration there. Yeah. And that's and that also goes back, if we want to update it even more, it goes back to the drama triangle is the understanding of if a man comes into a situation in which there is a problem, the challenger, the divine masculine in the challenge, like the challenger and the coach are basically the, you know, the better versions of the persecutor and the rescuer. And when it's in its best form, a man is like, I'm going to challenge you and be like, hey, let's figure out the problems. What's going on with this? Let's, let's, it, it almost feels like they're trying to short circuit your experience and your feelings, right? Where actually they need to go into the coach mode, which the coach holds space, right? And so when you go to your girlfriends with a problem or when you go to another feminine, someone else who's exhibiting the feminine act, they are holding space for you to have your feelings. And that's what you need the man to do. And then the vice versa is that if a man's having a problem, the woman might think that he needs help, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing I think is interesting, I saw this somewhere, he's learned over the years that if sometimes his wife has had a bad day, he just says, do you need someone to listen or do you want me to provide solutions? And then then he knows how to show up for her. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Okay, (laughs) so men are like rubber bands. The idea is that when a man loves a woman, periodically he needs to pull away before he can get closer again. So when they pull away, they can stretch only so far before they come springing back. And the cycle involves getting close, pulling away, then getting close again, 
So men need to be allowed to expand fully, even if it means pulling away. And women should not try to prevent this pulling away. And so Mm -hmm. the way that they pull away is by going into their cave, right? So we've mentioned this, we even mentioned this earlier in the dating stages. The cave is the, the man cave idea comes from this book of like, men need time to go into their cave to pull away, to have solitude, to go into their masculine, and they cannot be chased into that space because that will short circuit it. And eventually, if you try and stop them from going into their cave or you cut it short, they're just gonna have to end up being in there longer later on. So, you know, allowing them to be a rubber band and to pull away. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Allow them to pull away for Uh as long as they need to, to go into their cave and to retreat. And then eventually they will come back. The more that you leave them to their own devices, the the faster they will come back. Yeah, that's true. Because I didn't understand that concept. And when I did, things really changed. Yeah. When I understood, okay, they're pulling back and that's okay. Don't chase them. Just let them go. Boom. Come right back. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so women are like waves. When a woman is feeling really good, she will reach a peak. So she'll reach a peak in which she has plenty of love to give and she's able and everything feels really great. And then her mood will most likely shift and the wave will come back down. And when she reaches the bottom, she may feel like the bottom has fallen out, that she's she's empty, that she needs to be filled up with love. She feels kind of at the at the bottom of her experience, right? And these this happens periodically, whether it's monthly or whether it's bi-monthly or whatever. Women are gonna go through this cycle of feeling full of love and joyful and then feeling much lower and empty. And in those periods, it is important. It has nothing to do with anything he's done either. No, it has absolutely nothing to yeah. do with it. And she, so if he, he just, takes it personally, then he's gonna short circuit the same process right. in the same way that she, if she goes chasing him, She's going to short circuit his Is process. she like this even not in a relationship? Because I feel like I'm always like that. Oh, I think it's always. It's not just in a relationship. Oh, okay. And so the point is, is that women experience waves of feeling full of love with lots to give and feeling emptier, right? It's, it's a natural part of, of oh, I'm not going to say it's a natural part. For people who menstruate, this may be... I've done a terrible job trying to keep the word woman and man out of this. Just say woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but I, I, I do appreciate, for my yoga teacher training, I do appreciate saying for people who menstruate, this could be a natural wave. This wave could be a natural part of their life. So given that that's the case, when a woman is at the bottom of her cycle, the thing that you can give to her is love and understanding and support and allow her to talk and allow her to have that experience. The interesting thing, of course, happens in these two things is when a man's time to, to stretch out the rubber band comes at the same time as the woman at the bottom of her cycle. So That's right when they one. both need, when, when, when one she... needs solace and the other one needs love, they're the furthest away from the, mm, each other that they yeah. can be. That's true. Yeah. I, I believe that he didn't necessarily have a very clear solution for that other than to say that you just need to be communicative and the man needs to say i need to go into my cave for another day but when i come out i will be here for you to fill you up with love oh so cute all right the very last point that i want to talk about on this is probably the funniest point of all of them which is so accurate that it makes me laugh on the inside is that there's a sliding scale for men with points 
and there isn't one for women. <laughs> so everything to a woman is one point. Let me give you an example. The man takes the girlfriend out on a very expensive dinner and buys her flowers. In his mind, that's 100 points, and he's off the hook for doing something super sweet or considerate for the next X amount of days because he just thinks that he earned a lot of points. To the woman, the restaurant was a point, his good manners was a point, him paying was a point, the flowers was a point, planning the date was a point. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just, everything is just one point. Him buying her a diamond is a point, but him taking out the trash is a point. Like, it, she's just, it's just like, yeah. everything to her is one point. But to him, he thinks that he's earning more or less points according to the effort he puts in, but it doesn't understand that to her, they're all just worth one point. Mm -hmm. Like that's why when a man's like, but I did all this other stuff and you're focusing on this because to her, it's all equal in the point world. So like, yeah, you took out the trash, but then you burned dinner or, you know, I, I, I can't think of one cause that won't be. Yeah, like yeah. You took out the trash, but you left all your clothes on the floor. Right. And, but I took out the trash. But that's one point or, you know, maybe to him taking out the trash is worth 10 points and leaving his clothes on the floor is worth one point. So it's like, why is she getting so worked up over this? I just right. took out the trash. To her, it's all one point. Right. So if you take out the trash and don't pick up your clothes, then you are at No, zero. no. This is the funniest part I remember now of the clothes system. Yeah. If you do something wrong, she gives you negative 10 points. So yeah, you let's say to the man, taking out the trash is 10 points and leaving something on the floor is one point. So in his world, he thinks he still has nine points because he's like, I left the thing on the floor. So that's negative negative one point, but I took out the trash, so I still have nine points. To her, it's actually negative nine, because to her, the trash was one point, and not doing the thing is not negative one point, it's negative ten points. So yeah. now he's at negative nine points. And that is the, in a synopsis, the reason why, if you ever hear that in a relationship, mm -hmm. well, why are you focusing on this when I did that? It's because to her, it's all one point. And to you, I'm speaking as a woman, to you, they vary in degree, but they don't to us, sadly. And I'm going to tell my husband about that because I completely forgot that. And it's so funny and so true. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. I think that's it from my Mars and Venus, but it, it makes for a short episode. Do you have anything to add? I do. He talks <laughs> about what life is like for Venusians and what life is like for Mars. And this kind of goes back to kind of the origin of why he's using this metaphor. But I think it's really interesting because the idea is that the feminine energy needs to be balanced with the masculine energy in the sense that like Venusians, he, he, I remember he like relays what it would be like on living on Venus, which is, you know, all the, all the Venusians are like always helping each other all the time. And they're always kind of sacrificing themselves. It's basically a planet full of rescuers. If you can think of it like that, they're always being there for other people. Right. But they're not really accomplishing anything. Whereas then on Mars, they're always just, creating things and building things, but they don't have any kind of nurturance at all on there. And so they, they get on a spaceship to go across, you know, to each other's place because they need that balance. And so one of the things that they talk about is that when you're trying to motivate the opposite sex, this is an important thing to keep in mind, because if you don't have like based on instinctive behavior, the man or the masculine gets all the care and attention and the women basically gets nothing, right? Because if the, if the feminine is in a nurturance place and then the masculine isn't, then the woman is going to get nothing. One wins and the other loses, which bodes badly for basically everybody ultimately. But once the two genders enter in a relationship, 
they need to meet in the middle. The man should learn to care for the woman and the woman needs to give back, learn to give less instead of endlessly giving and then resenting for not giving back. So basically moving out of the rescuer role and more into a coach role. So in terms of ultimately motivating the opposite sex, it's really is a matter of everybody has to meet the other person halfway. So the masculine has to learn to care more and the feminine has to word, learn to care less, care for less. Go ahead, Anna, what were you going to say? Oh, well, I want, going back to the points thing, which is very funny, is that women might not be aware that when men are giving points to you, they do have the sliding scale so you can earn more or less points. It's not all the same. So to them, that you're also earning points, right? Yeah. So I want to read a list of what they say are ways for women to get more points, and then I'll read one about... Well, for men, it's all the same. It's one point, but I'll read that too. So what happens? If he makes a mistake and she doesn't say, I told you so, he gives her 10 to 20 points. He disappoints her. She doesn't punish him, 10 to 20. He gets lost while driving and she doesn't make a big deal, 10 to 20. He gets lost and she sees the good in the situation and says, we never would have seen a beautiful sunset if we hadn't taken this route, 20 to 30 points. He forgot to pick something up and she says, it's okay. Would you do it next time? 10 to 20 points. He forgets to pick something up again and she says with trusting patience, it's okay. Would you still get it? 20 to 30 points. Yeah. It's good, right? Yeah. When she has hurt him and she understands he's hurt, she apologizes and gives him the love he needs, 10 to 40 points. She asks for his support and he says no, and she is not hurt by his rejection, but trusts that he would if he could. She does not reject him or disapprove of him. That's 10 to 20 points. Damn. Isn't that weaponized incompetence, though? No, but I was thinking only 10 to 20. No, I think that's if he's busy or something. Like, he has a okay. valid reason. But I feel like that's worth 100 or 200 points. Yeah. Another time she asks for his support and again he says no. She does not make him feel wrong and accepts his limitations at that time. 20 to 30 points. Dude, that in my book, that's 200 Which to 300. One was that he's not able to give her the support she needs at the time so she doesn't make him feel wrong and accepts his limitations at that time. That's 20 to 30 points. I feel like that's worth so many. She asks for his support without being demanding. One to five. Well, damn. I didn't know nagging was so low on the list. I'm going to start nagging. <laughs> she asks for support without being demanding when she is upset then she gets 10 to 30 points when he withdraws she doesn't make him feel guilty 10 to 20 when he comes back from his cave she welcomes him and doesn't punish or reject him from being gone 10 to 20 when he apologizes for a mistake and she receives it with loving acceptance and forgives the bigger the mistake he makes the more points he is given Giving him children, 300 points. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. I just... I, I, <laughs> it's very antiquated I mean, I, it in does, some ways, it, but it's very helpful too. It's helpful, but it, it feels... The reason it feels antiquated to me is because it feels like mothering your partner. And that's what bothers me about anything. And yet these it. techniques... Well, that's because everyone has a fucking mother wound. That's <laughs> yeah, why. Yeah. When he asks her to do something and she says yes and stays in a good mood, one to ten points. When he wants to make up after a fight and starts doing little things for her and she starts appreciating him again, ten to thirty. She's happy to see him when he gets home. That's ten to twenty. For my husband, that's fifty to sixty. Yeah. It's a big deal for him. Yeah, to get a, a warm welcome. Yeah. She feels disapproving, and instead of expressing it, she goes in another room and privately centers herself and then comes back with a more centered and loving heart, 10 to 20. God, what gets the highest? Go to the, go, go can we like, what, what, what's like? On a special occasion, she overlooks his mistake. That's 10 to 40. And yeah, nothing else. 20 to 40. On a special occasion, she overlooks his mistake. Yeah, that one's like. Yeah. 
What about, so what about women? So now onto the woman's one. These are 101 ways to score points with a woman. And just remember that all of it is one point. <laughs> no, so I'm not going to read 101. I'm going to randomly pick 10 just to give you an idea. Upon returning home, find her first before doing anything else and give her a hug. Another one is bring her cut flowers as a surprise on a, any random day. Another one, offer to help her when she's tired with whatever her chore is. Validate her feelings when she is upset. Offer to build her a fire in the wintertime. When she asks for support, say yes or no without making her wrong for asking. Give her four hugs a day. Make the bed and clean up the bedroom. Take her aside when she is upset with someone. Buy her a little present like a small box of chocolates or perfume. Buy her some good super glue to fix things that are broken. No, that's not. That's not. <laughs> the top of my list. Please, may I have some super glue? You know what? I will give a point to every fucking thing you fix. I literally was good. I was like, I can think of this one point system I definitely think applies other than the toilet that is currently sitting in my bathroom uninstalled. And the only reason it's sitting there uninstalled is because my husband got sticker shock from the plumber's quote six months ago and didn't let them install the new toilets. So I literally have had a new toilet sitting in my bathroom what for does that do with the six points? months. I will give my husband 10 points if he does. <laughs> do you hear that husband? Takes her for a walk without the children and leaves the bathroom seat down. It's so true. Oh my God. Leaving the bathroom seat down. I love it too. Cause my six year old, my daughter, the boys, they have to put the seat down. It is an absolute requirement, which is exactly what I say too. So I just like, I so completely appreciate the fact that she is. Wait, wait, say it one more time. Wait, what? <laughs> Lyra already has adopted my firm belief. It is an absolute inequity if a man keeps the seat up. Why? Because they're the ones who raised it in the first place. So they have to go back. See, they have I, to put it to the place where it was when they started. I never thought that because it's like just as inconvenient for them. But if they're already touching it to, to lift it, it's just as easy for them to put it back down. My husband puts it down. So it's not like I'm trying to defend him or anything. But I've just never understood the whole men need to keep the seat down. Why? Why do we get to choose? Because in the whole grand scheme of what position the toilet if that toilet gets equally used by a man and a woman for all their their movements... Down is the majority. Yes, therefore it needs to stay down. And therefore any movement away from the place that it is, is default setting needs to be returned to that setting when you're done. I've thought about this a lot. All right, it makes sense. <laughs> so now I'm going to talk about the top three mistakes that feminine aspect makes in relation to the masculine and then the opposite. Okay, so the top mistake that a woman can make is she tries to improve him or his behavior with unsolicited advice. That's one of the things that he talks about a lot in this book is that men hate unsolicited advice. It's one of the worst things that they can receive because they want to be self-sufficient and they want to be able to do it on their own. And they and if they go and ask for help, it's they take that very seriously when they go and ask for advice. So unsolicited advice is just probably one of the worst things that you can do for someone who's in a traditionally masculine role. The second is complain about what he hasn't done and don't appreciate what he has. And then the third is correct him in his, his behavior as if he's a child, mm. which is hilarious because I keep thinking that all of these are being treated like a child. Like you can keep making mistakes and fucking up over and over again. And I will always accept and love you. I think that just proves that I have injustice wounds, but that's, that, that's going there. <laughs> okay. So top three mistakes men make in relation to women's needs. One, minimize the importance of her feelings and needs. 
Two, he listens, but then blames her for bringing him down. Three, after listening, he says nothing, and then he leaves. And then how to avoid arguments with the opposite aspect says arguments often balloon out of men's failure to pay sufficient attention and women's expression of disapproval. Disapproval will get men angry and defensive. And when arguments arise, verbal attacks can obviously be destructive for any relationship. Men want to try their hardest to win. And I will admit that I have a very masculine aspect myself when it comes to an argument. I take the masculine role in any argument that I usually have with my partner. And, or maybe we're both taking on the male aspect. But, you know, men usually, they want to win. It's the most important thing for them. But a woman, she wants to avoid escalation. And she's like, fine, I'll let the men think that they won. But she hasn't actually changed her opinion. And she's basically giving a false piece. And the underlying issue has not actually been fixed. Mm -hmm. Right. So to avoid communication degenerating in that form, it's suggested that men strive to listen without raising their defensive walls and women should communicate without criticizing their partners. So to wrap it up, what I think is really interesting and the reason that I originally even read Mars and Venus is that I still have people, friends that I have, who've read this book and it's revolutionized their relationships. It has revolutionized mine, especially because my husband is older than me and I think he was raised in that culture more that men act this way. Like maybe as we get more modern and more gender fluid, our children aren't taking on such drastic things. But like, if your partner was born in the early 70s and beyond, they might very well really conform to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that not only are friends of mine saying how much this has drastically changed their relationship for the better. What about, were they modern young friends? Or? Yes. I mean, yeah. well, my age. I, don't know. I just think it's really cool that I still have friends my age who are telling me about this book and how it's oh, okay. drastically so it's not changed. Just cause because of the age difference it's like a thing yeah well i think about it and actually between the time that i read this book and met my husband i should say i did date some guys my age and i tried to apply this as best as i could because i have a fucking temper and so like i love it a lot of it i can't do because my fucking i'm fiery i can't help it it's just fucking can be a fucking bitch sometimes but did it work for the people your age yeah they loved it eight eight out of my hand And it's funny because actually the people who I've talked to do have age gap relationships. At least the two people who told me about it, they all have age gaps. So I'm like, hmm, is this an age gap thing or is this whatever? But because Luke and I definitely, when we talked about it, he was definitely like, yeah, that's partially me. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely 50-50. Like, I definitely feel like I go back and forth between I need my cave time. And but I also fall on a cycle. And so it's, you know, it's one of those interesting things. But what the fascinating thing is, is that there's so much of this in our culture. This book and this knowledge has been embedded in our Western it's culture its now. It's its own egregore now. For, it is its own egregore. It's, a, it's its own thought form that probably has a life of its own. It's been around for 25, years. I think there's years. a lot of accuracy to it. I really do. So one thing that I want to throw in there about it is John Gray says in another book that he used to have these workshops, not anymore, but they'd go to these workshops with couples and they had this thing like, you're going to clap your hands when John Gray is saying something that really you really resonate with. And so he said that the men would be really shocked to see the women applauding so strongly over certain things that they didn't think was that important and then vice versa. So it'd be really, really interesting if you are going to listen or read this book to read it out loud with your partner and go back and forth, maybe with two different color highlighters and be like, this really resonates with me or that really resonates with me and to really understand their needs. 
that might be a great way to to navigate this with the partner because ultimately we're going to have different variations of the masculine and feminine in us and some of these things are going to apply and some aren't but if they do apply what a fucking gift that would be to apply it and use it and just be a better communicator yeah no and it was really nice i recommend listening to it with your partner because then you don't have to read at different speeds which is great that's what we did and we just paused it to talk about it often but would it be nice to like write it down as you're going to and be like okay this really resonates with him yeah 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 all right thanks everybody Thank you for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. Be sure to share us with a friend if you find these episodes meaningful. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Hi, y'all. Listening to the last season of This Spiritual Fix may have stirred up for you some awareness of how the mother wound ties into so many of our subconscious needs and desires in our daily lives. Well, we've put together a comprehensive five-week course on this mother wound, complete with meditations, journal prompts, and never-before-seen videos and lectures. This course is designed for you to heal your personal and cosmic attachment wounds, reparent yourself, and surrender to the Great Mother. This course is an intense experience for spiritual seekers, and maybe you're not ready for something that intense yet. So we've put together our version of what we call the Shadow Work Essentials course, the Mother Wound Mini to give you access and awareness to this wound with tools to process your energy and to remember the Cosmic Mother's love for you. I cannot emphasize enough how much this work has changed my relationship with my partner, my kids, my family, and the world. It can be life-changing for you too. Go to our shop, www.thisspiritualfix.com forward slash shop for more details. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.